superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined this morning by Pat Fitzmorris and Derek Brown. This will be our Friday show regularly all season long where we run through some key questions for every single matchup on the slate. We are already off the rails here a little before even starting to record this show, so it's going to be a fun one this morning. Guys, we're going to go through, as we always do, Sunday early afternoon slate, then the late afternoon slate, then the primetime games. And like I said, we're going to ask one key question for every matchup here, and uh, we're going to break down this slate. It looks like a pretty good one to me. I actually saw some talk early in the week that there's not that many fun matchups. I disagree. I think there's a lot of fun matchups, so I am really looking forward to this weekend of football. Got started off on the right foot with Thursday Night Football in that really fun high-scoring game. Uh, let's go right in, and we're going to start with Packers at Falcons is our game number one. And my first question for you guys here is, can we start any Falcons pass catchers for the time being? And simultaneously, can we sit any Falcons running backs? Fitz, I'll start with you. Well, I really don't want to start any Falcons pass catchers. And this from a a person who is very heavily invested in Drake London this year, probably my most rostered player. But um, no, I kind of don't want to start London this week. And I, I do want to start Bijan and maybe even Algier this week against the Packers defense that I think is going to be kind of a run funnel all year. I mean, the Packers have a a good pass defense and we saw Jair Alexander cover DJ Moore a lot in week one and hold DJ Moore to two catches for 25 yards. And the Packers pass rush really got after Justin Fields last week, but the Packers aren't good against the run and haven't been for a while. So, um, I do think it's a run defense you want to attack. And, uh, you know, I don't think Drake London gets untracked this week. Uh, Maybe wait for week three on him. Yeah, obviously, there's really only four players here to talk about. And Bijan is an obvious start. So it's really only the three of London and Pitts. Can you start them? And Algier, can you sit him? And I'm not sure that the answer isn't no, because he just looks so good. And we know they're going to run so much, right, Debra? Yeah, I mean, look, right now I've got uh, Bijan Robinson and Tyree Algier both comfortably inside my top 30 running backs. If you have both of them on the same team, like if you went handcuff strategy, I mean, hell, you could fire both of them up this week. I mean, Arthur Do you feel like that limits your ceiling at all when you're starting two running backs from the same team? No, I mean, really, I I don't think it is because all you're saying is the, the story that you're telling yourself on that game is that, okay, the Falcons get all their production and touchdowns from the ground. And as Arthur Smith has told us, Drake London doesn't care if he gets one target, two targets, zero targets. He's perfectly fine with run blocking the entire game. Isn't that right, Arthur? That's what I've been told. That's what I hear. So, no, I'm totally fine, and I don't think it limits your ceiling at all. And are you at all considering starting either London or Pitts? Yeah, I would start both of them in the same lineup, and I'm with Pat. Um, We saw Jair follow uh, DJ Moore on 55% of his routes. He held him to a goose egg. Zero. So any production DJ Moore had last week was outside of Jair's coverage. And I think the same thing is going to happen to Drake London this week. And it's 
it's sad to say, but what is to stop any defense from going into the week and saying, okay, we probably don't try to take away Kyle Pitts. They'll move around the formation. But if we take away Drake London and we just make this offense either have to beat us via the run or with the pass otherwise, I mean, just it's common sense, but it's happening. And I think it continues to happen. This is the perfect opportunity to talk about this year's Fantasy Over Under Challenge presented by Betting Pros. Each week, the guys will be making Over Under picks for 10 different players for how many fantasy points we expect them to score. Submit your picks to play along with the guys so you don't miss out on the chance to win awesome prizes. One of this week's players is Kyle Pitts. His line is set at Over Under 7.5 fantasy points. Again, Kyle Pitts, 7.5 fantasy points. Will he have a bounce back in week two or is he destined to never get any targets Debra what do you think uh I'll take the under um I know that 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 line is begging for you to take the over but the Packers have been good against tight ends and just like I said Arthur Smith hates to throw the ball and it's not like Desmond Mitter is any good at it anyway Fitz are you taking over under seven and a half for Pitts I'm with Debro here I'm going under it's a pretty close line um but yeah I'm, I'm just not wildly optimistic that uh the Falcons open it up and throw a lot this week he essentially has to score a touchdown to hit that line, and mm-hmm. we've seen that when they're in close to the red zone, in the to the end zone rather, they're going to run the ball. So that mm-hmm. makes it uh, hard to to predict something like that. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Let's go to game number two here, guys. Raiders at Bills. And my question for you here, and we'll start with you, D-Bro. Are the Bills ready to bounce back from there, or rather maybe Josh Allen's struggles against the Jets? Oh, Bills Mafia is not going to like what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. Josh Allen was not good versus zone last year, and I think this is another another situation where he's going to face a lot of zone coverage. And... I think he's going to have a rough game in this one. Now, can Josh Allen, and I'm going to be ranking him aggressively, yes, I'm not going to push him outside my top five quarterbacks because the rushing always matters, and he can make up in that department, but Josh Allen versus zone, and I think the Raiders are going to use a lot of zone because they did in week one, but Allen versus zone last year, 27th in adjusted completion rate, 16th in passer rating, and 15th in CPOE on deep throws with a 10 to 10 passing to touchdown interception ratio. It's not good, Bob. None of that is good. So I think the offense scores points, but I think it's going to be a lot of James Cook, a lot of checkdowns, because the Raiders are quietly terrible versus running backs in the passing game. But does that mean Josh Allen walks away with a really good passing day? Mm -mm. What do you make of Kincaid in this one, D-Bro? 
I think Kincaid's going to be good. I mean, last week he played a full-time role. It was basically the Bills lived in 12 personnel. And I also want to bring this up. When we say 12 personnel, like people need to understand that, that, that this is not really a true 12 personnel in the sense that, okay, we got two tight ends, one's blocking. Both of those guys are running routes. Like Knox and Kincaid both had over 58% in the slot. So while yes, the Bills are running a lot of 12 personnel and these two guys are full-time players, you need to look at this as this is not one guy running routes and the other guy is down blocking. Both of these guys are just operating as receivers. So they're taking turns on who's going to be the slot guy. It's just we need to understand positional ideas here. Fitz, do you agree or disagree with you, bro, that Josh Allen might be in for another tough game? Well, Debro makes some good points about the zone defense thing, and zone also kind of uh, limits a quarterback's rushing potential because you play zone, you get to face Mm -hmm. the quarterback and not turn your back on him. So maybe uh, some of those runs don't go for quite as many yards. But man, like Allen coming off that first week game, we know that the Jets' defense is just a toxic matchup for quarterbacks. So um, I'm a little more optimistic about the Raiders. And look, I don't want the, the Bills Mafia showing up at my house with torches and pitchforks. <laughs> tables I don't too. Get put, they, wrote, they always bring I don't tables. Want, yeah, I don't want to get put <laughs> through a table. So um, I'm going to say that Allen does bounce back at home against the Raiders. So we're obviously starting Allen and we're obviously starting Diggs, but mm-hmm. Fitz, Gabe Davis, are we starting him if you you know have a need at flex? Yeah, I think so. We knew he was going to see a lot of sauce uh Gardner last week and he did I mean I I bet the under on Gabe Davis's receiving yardage total last week which was like at at 42 or something like that but um I I think he has a bounce back game let's go to game number three Ravens at Bengals my question here is which of these offenses is better poised to turn things around quickly after a sloppy for the Ravens or downright terrible for the Bengals week one Debra All right, well, you're not going to like this one, Worm, but I think it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And lose defense for Cincinnati is fantastic. And I'm not saying that the Baltimore Ravens are going to absolutely struggle and do nothing in this game, but I think it's going to be a lot of Zay Flowers. And whether we see Mark Andrews play or not, I think the tight end position is going to get involved. But on the other side, I think this game is set up for Joe Burrow to have a bounce back in this whole Cincinnati offense, especially the passing tack, too. Because... Baltimore used a lot, utilized a lot of zone in week one. Now, Burrow versus zone coverage last year, sixth in passer rating. He had the most passing touchdowns versus zone coverage. So I think Burrow's going to have plenty of time in the pocket because I'm not really scared of the Baltimore Ravens uh, pass rush. So if I got to take one of these offenses, I'm going to go Cincy. Yeah, I, I actually tend to agree with you, Debra. So while I don't like it, uh, I can't you know <laughs> tell you that you're wrong. Uh, what I really find fascinating about this matchup is the fact that I really think Mike McDonald is the defensive coordinator that game plans against Joe Burrow best. And mm-hmm. I think Lou Anarumo is the defensive coordinator that games plans against Lamar Jackson best. Agreed. So it's kind of two elite quarterbacks going up against, in a way, their kryptonites, at least as far as defensive coordinators go. The Ravens are just so banged up. And I actually do trust their pass rush a little more than you do not, you know, wholly and completely. I do think it's better than you're giving them credit for. But I just think the injuries are too much to overcome, which is why outside of the Bengals. Pat, what do you think? First of all, uh, I'm annoyed, Worm, because you mentioned Michael McDonald. Now I'm going to have Doobie Brothers songs stuck in my head all day. But um, so (laughs) I I am actually more concerned about the (laughs) I'm more concerned about the Bengals, like 142 yards of offense and six first downs in week one. And the Ravens weren't great, but they averaged 4.6 yards per play in week one, which, 
you know, not ideal, but not terrible either. The Bengals averaged 2.6 yards per play in week one, which was tied uh, with the Giants for worst in the league and a full yard behind the next worst teams, the Cardinals and the Buccaneers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty terrified. I know it was wet weather and that weighed into it a little bit, but the Bengals did not look ready for prime time in week one. Uh, just give me a second while I Google who Michael McDonald, the musician, is, because I did not pick up on <laughs> that <laughs> reference. Uh, you listen to Jim Pat Croce. Pat is not going to let you live that know. down. J- Jim Croce is is my favorite <laughs> artist, I will admit. And yes, he is You know, several decades g- gone. But uh, I've heard of the Doobie Brothers. I just couldn't have told you that Michael McDonald was the uh, singer, I guess, for that <laughs> yes. band. Uh, I'll Wikipedia. sit here and admit I did not know who that was either, but I was going to go along with it. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, I'm I, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying That's to juggle. Both of us. <laughs> I'm trying to juggle a couple things here. Our multi league assistant makes juggling multiple fantasy leagues easier than ever. Head to fantasypros.com/slash/myplaybook to get expert advice for all your teams in one spot, so you can dominate every league every week. Let's go to game number four here: Seahawks at Lions. And my question is one I think a lot of people will have, and it's. How will David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs split the workload in the Lions' backfield? Fitz, what do you think? I know Gibbs stakeholders don't want to hear this, but I'm worried that we see something that maybe is a little too close to the Jamal Williams-DeAndre Swift workload split from last year. Like, Gibbs is so explosive, and we saw in week one uh, what a live wire that dude is with the ball in his hands. But, I mean, I think the Lions want to pound the rock as much as possible. I think they're happy if they can give David Montgomery 20 or more carries. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's not ideal for the, the Gibbs investors, but, like, I think they want to be run heavy with David Montgomery to whatever extent they can be. Deeper, what do you think? I think it's going to be a week-to-week kind of thing. I mean, I said that all during draft season. I said people were too low on David Montgomery, and people are now, like, freaking out because they were so high on Jameer Gibbs. And I'm the one preaching patience out here. And I think this week we're going to see the, the the script flipped. I think that Seattle is an improved run defense. Um, I know it's only one week, but you have two similar run game schemes in the sense that the Rams are utilizing a lot of gap runs this year, especially with Cam Akers. He didn't do anything. I think that you're looking at David Montgomery. Again, it's going to be a lot of gap runs for Detroit. And I think Jameer Gibbs, they're going to get him in space. I think this is a massive Jameer Gibbs game. I've got him ranked as an RB1 on the site right now. And this comes down to not only what he can do putting him in space in the run game, but in the passing game, he's going to get fed this week. Because you have a Seattle pass defense that they were terrible versus pass catching running backs last year. The year prior to that, legendarily bad. So, like, even if we go back to just last year, Seattle allowed the 10th most receptions, 5th most receiving yards, and the highest yards per reception to running backs. Tell me Ben Johnson doesn't know that already, and he's like, <laughs> Jameer Gibbs is going to have himself a day, baby. Uh, so that's a compelling case, Dero. But let me ask you this: If you had to bet on just if you had to bet on just one of these guys to score a touchdown this week, who is it? Jameer Gibbs. Yep. Okay. Would it would it be Gibbs for you too, Fitz, or, or Montgomery? Just given the usage, I'm gonna go with Montgomery. It's close though. Yeah, I think uh, I think I would probably go Montgomery as well. Although you can definitely make the case for both. 
You guys both know how much I love going to see sports in person. And now that the NFL is back in full swing, I'm excited to get out to a game here in Denver. I haven't picked which matchup to attend yet this year, but I'm hoping the fans can reach out and let me know when I should go. Whichever matchup I choose, the best way to get tickets to any of these games is on Game Time, the official ticketing partner of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. For last-minute amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite football team this September, download Game Time. And as you've heard us say before, it's not just... Football game time has tickets to baseball games, concerts, and comedy shows across the country. Might be going to see Jerry Seinfeld live for the first time in my life, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be later this fall. So download the Game Time app and redeem code Fantasy Pros for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code Fantasy Pros, all one word, for twenty dollars off. No matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's go to game number five here, Colts at Texans. And I want to ask you guys, which young wide receiver tied to a rookie quarterback was a better value this draft season, Michael Pittman or Nico Collins? Fitz, starting with you. I think it's Nico because he was really cheap throughout draft season. Pittman was not cheap, and I thought he was overpriced. And and I like Pittman as a player. I just think the Colts are going to be really run heavy this season. And when we look back, we're going to see 37 pass attempts for Anthony Richardson in week one and say, wow, that was like his most pass heavy game of the season. I mean, I think that'll be among his most pass heavy games of the season. Like most of the time, I doubt he's going to have like 30 pass attempts in a week. Like I just think if what we saw from Shane Steichen as a play caller two years ago in Jalen Hurts' first season as a starter holds true for the Colts. We're going to see the Colts be really, really run heavy, and that could ratchet up when Jonathan Taylor comes back, if Jonathan Taylor does indeed come back once he gets off IR. But um, So I'm a little worried about the passing volume for Pittman and that you know a lot of people are going to be racing to get him in the lineups this week and um, you know might be disappointed. Yeah, I was with you during draft season. I I have Pittman in zero redraft leagues. I only have him in places I already had him in Dynasty because I just did not trust that Richardson was going to throw enough and accurately enough for him to be viable. I was proved wrong in week one. I'm not sure how that will last going forward. Debro, you and I were all aboard the CJ Stroud train all mm-hmm. offseason. And yes, he, he you know, didn't light the world on fire in week one, but he looked like he belonged. And mm-hmm. that means good things for Nico Collins, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's a slam dunk. If we're talking about if you're walking out of week one and you look at the comparable volume for these guys, they got damn near the same amount of volume. Nico Collins got a 33% first read share. Like, and he was near the top in air yards. And we're talking about it. And Pat and I wrote him up. You could pick him up off of the waiver wire in certain leagues. Like, that makes this a slam dunk. And it's not even a close conversation. Similar volume, except I got one of these guys off of the waiver wire. In some of my leagues, yeah, the value is Nico Collins, and I'm going to sit here and piggyback on it and double down right now. I think he's going to have a fantastic week. Like, I have him ranked aggressive. Well, I think is aggressively. I've is, got him at wide receiver ranked, 29. Is he ranked ahead of Michael Pittman for you? Ooh, good question, Worm. Let me look. Um, so, I have so him Nico, really Nico's close. the better value, but is he the better start this week? Um, Funny enough, I have them. I updated ranks this morning. I have them right back to back, and I have Nico at wide receiver 28. I have Pittman at wide receiver 29. So, yes, we're going Nico, baby. Fitz, would you also start Nico over Pittman? I've still got Pittman ranked a little higher this week. I think that's reasonable. Let's go to game number six here. One of the most fun ones on the slate. Uh, I think most people would agree. Chiefs at Jaguars. 
Uh, I'm really, really excited for this game. I think it's going to be a really fun watch. I think the Chiefs are going to come out angry. I think the Jags are were maybe even a little sloppier than I expected. I just have really high expectations for them this year. So I think week two is going to be awesome in this matchup. My question for you guys, who is the most startable Chiefs pass catcher? Not named Travis Kelsey, of course. Debra, what do you think? Now, now I, I remember, like, I looked at this sheet, uh, I looked at this question on the show sheet. Now, I gotta ask, and I'm gonna ask you this, Worm. Is that this week or the entire season? Are we just talking about encapsulating just for I, this game? Who am I gonna start? Right now in week two. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a two for then. It's gonna be Jarek McKinnon and MBS. And I, I look, I... I almost threw up in my mouth just talking about MBS <laughs> in the primer. So, I, again, I get it, people. But you look at how these two guys match up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're terrible versus receiving running backs. Jarrett McKinnon did nothing last week. I think he has a really solid game in this one. So, if you're in PPR leagues, you're struggling for a flex, throw him in there. But MBS, if you need ceiling this week... Jacksonville quietly was terrible versus deep balls last year. Like we're talking about a defense that was um, bottom five in both completion rates and everything you look at. And MBS, again, I'm not telling you the guy can actually catch passes well. He's got frying pans for hands. But when he does come down with them, they're going to be deep passes. And I think that happens this week. So give me the two, um, maybe the unsexiest guys in this offense. I'll go with McKinnon and MBS. So I'll give you, we don't have a lot of time. I will give you 10 seconds. Who is the rest of the season one that you would have said? Oh, crap. Rasheed Rice. Because uh, it's, he showed the most in week one. And okay. this guy might be dead. It's sad. Very sad. Uh, Fitz, for this week, who are you starting if you have to start a non-Travis Kelsey pass catcher in this offense? Boy, Debra, I hope you didn't get bruised up jumping off the Skymore bandwagon <laughs> as it was uh, going it ran me over. down the road. It ran me over in week one, Fitz. I'm still licking my wounds, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, so I guess I have to be the guy driving the Skymore bandwagon. Look, like I cannot in good conscience like recommend MVS to anyone. This dude has played with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Says Mahomes. Says the Packers fan. So we'll just and throw that been, in there. And has been a terrible percentage play for fantasy football throughout his career. Yeah, he's going to have some games where he hits on the big play, but those games are far too few and far in between. Um, so look, Sky Moore's usage was still pretty good. Like he played a lot of snaps and ran a lot of routes in week one. No catches. Yes, good receivers get skunked. And we saw with T. Higgins and Drake London in week one. Um, I'm not saying Sky Moore's a good receiver yet, but the training camp buzz on him was pretty good all along. Uh, the usage has been encouraging, like how how they've used him in the preseason, how they used him in week one. And uh, in fairness, he did, I believe, have one catch negated by a penalty in week one. So, like, I'm not totally giving up on him, not really eager to start Sky Moore this week. But I do think he is the best bet of the Chicago, of the Kansas City pass catchers not named Travis Kelsey. So normally we're only going to do one key question here. I thought this matchup was just too juicy. So I'm going to cheat and sneak in a second question on the Jags side of things, which is if we redrafted today, knowing what we know now after week one, Calvin Ridley would be wide receiver. What? I just think we cannot avoid talking about him. He was such a, he was such a lightning rod player kind of in the off season as, you know, getting up to round two in some drafts. Some guys got him as late as round four. But obviously, we knew the upside was there. We saw it, especially in that first half in week one. So, Debro, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, what if we redrafted today? Wide receiver four, immediately behind uh, <sighs> Jefferson, Chase, and Hill. And shake your head all you want, Fitz. Uh, tell me why not. He he basically, like, 
Calvin Ridley was the Stefan Diggs in this offense. He was discount Stefan Diggs all draft season. He's going to get a 30% target share. He's going to get fed by Trevor Lawrence, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Tell me why not, Fitz. Because he's the discount Stefan Diggs, D-Bro. He's not the real <laughs> Stefan Diggs. I, I would rather – I've got him wide receiver 10 rest of season. Wow. Behind Jefferson, Hill, Chase – C.D. Lamb, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Devontae Adams, and Chris Olave. And I think maybe Ridley's in a tie with uh, Devontae Smith. I've got him wide receiver for the rest of the season, just like I talked about in draft season. So. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the real question was, would he be rusty? And he certainly looked like he had shaken off the rust in week one. So there was no rust not, to begin with. Not a whole with. lot of questions oh. to be asked about, really. That was a really impressive first week back. I am so excited for this offense this year. Uh, Debro, of course, handles the primer every single week of the season. So you guys should go check that out uh, on the website. But I also wanted to mention that with my primer, and I don't mean mine, I mean the tool is called my primer, you can get a personalized view of the primer tailor-made to your specific fantasy team all you have to do is head to fantasypros.com slash my playbook and quickly sync your team for our in-depth advice specifically on all of your players it's a really fun and convenient tool especially if you have a lot of different teams let's go to game number seven here guys bears at buccaneers i'm a little less excited for this one than i was for chiefs jags my key question here is are we giving dj more another chance or has darnell Mooney maybe surpassed him d bro no and this is not me hating on Darnell Mooney, but I already talked about him and illuminated this earlier on the show. Jair Alexander following DJ Moore on 55% of his routes. He erased him last week. We are going to see DJ Moore bust out this week. And I'm not telling you that Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are bad corners. Not at all. But the last time that we saw DJ Moore versus this past defense, 10 targets. He had 116 receiving yards. And this was done while Jamel Dean was following him on 70% of routes. He caught two or three targets for 60 yards in that coverage. And I don't even know if Dean is going to follow him this week. It's possible, but I think it's a matchup that DJ Moore can win. So I'm going to have exposure on DJ Moore and Justin Fields in my DFS lineups. And I think it's going to, they're set up for a good bounce back game here. Fitz, we've been burned by DJ Moore in past seasons. We were kind of burned by him in week one, or at least I was. Are you giving him another chance here in week two? Absolutely. Uh, Davis and Let's Dean, go. pretty good corners, but they are not human blankets like Jair Alexander. And DJ Moore and Justin Fields were in sync throughout training camp in the preseason. Um, I think DJ Moore goes right back to being the main target for Justin Fields, and he's going to have a good week. Let's go to game number eight here, Chargers at Titans. And uh, I'm not sure if I've missed any updates here as of the time we're recording on Friday morning on Austin Eckler, but my question is, Joshua Kelly isn't an RB1 if Austin Eckler sits, or is he, Fitz? I don't think he is. I think Josh Kelly is kind of a pedestrian talent, and he's going up against a pretty good Tennessee run defense. So I'm not optimistic that he has a smash game, even if Eckler's out. I'm probably going to have him ranked as a low-end running back, too. Yeah, I uh, ignored the matchup for Jamal Williams last week. Uh, just I was all in on him and going up against that Titans defense. They know how to stop the run, and they certainly did a good job of making him extremely inefficient. Debro, Joshua Kelly, where are you ranking him if Austin Eckler doesn't play? Uh, I'm projecting Austin Eckler to be out in this game. And the same thing that I said last week, and I said Derek Carr is going to light up the Titans. I'm going to say it again this week. I think that when we saw the Chargers last week lean into the run game, I'm old enough to remember, guys, 
when the Cowboys played the Buccaneers and Dak came out and threw the ball like basically every freaking play and we're like, well, you know, that's really smart. There's an elite run defense on the other side with the Buccaneers. Yes, you should lean into the pass game. That's going to happen this week. Justin Herbert is going to come out and have himself a freaking day. They're not going to worry about throwing the ball because Tennessee has an elite run defense and it matches up really well with what Josh Kelly does. 68% of his runs last week were on gap design runs. Tennessee versus gap runs in week one, 2.0 yards per carry allowed. Joshua Kelly, I think, is an RB2 because of volume. And really, you're hoping for a touchdown because, again, I think the Chargers are going to be in the red zone early and often. So he sucks out probably with a touchdown. But as far as, like, efficiency, not going to happen. Kelly's an RB2. Yeah, you could probably have gotten your answer listening to that by the fact that I asked about Joshua Kelly and he started deeper start off by talking about Justin Herbert which just tells you <laughs> how we think this game is going to go uh much more in his favor than Kelly's uh take the stress out of lineup management with my playbooks autopilot tool at fantasypros.com slash my playbook enjoy automated optimal lineup adjustments giving you both peace of mind and the best shot at victory every week so check out autopilot if you need a little help setting your lineup Let's go to the Sunday late afternoon slate, guys. Game number nine here, Giants at Cardinals. My question is, the Giants will obviously be better in week two than they were in week one. It would be pretty much impossible to be worse. But was their horrific first game enough to scare you off of starting any Giants against a bad Cardinals team? Or are you going back to the well if you have them on your team, Pat? Well, no, it's not scaring me away from uh, the Giants, but there were only three Giants I would consider playing anyway. Danny Dimes, Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller. That's it. I'm not ready to, uh, you know, wade into the swamp that is the New York Giants receiving core just yet. So, um, look, going from Dallas to Arizona, big difference in matchup. Dallas is just a skull and crossbones matchup for quarterbacks and wide receivers this year. And it's going to be like that all year. So um, a much softer opponent this week and I think Danny Dimes and and Saquon and Waller are going to bounce back well Waller if he can make it through the game Debro already dealing with an injury who could have seen that coming (sighs) oh gosh don't start Fitz my pain is still real on that okay Uh, Debro what what do you think are you going back to the well with the Giants and and if you are are you even ranking them maybe aggressively coming off of that bad week one um I'm going to be updating ranks later today I am going to have probably Darius Slayton and Paris Campbell a little bit above consensus especially Darius Slayton the corners for Arizona are not anything that I need to worry about and Arizona was bottom 10 in pressure rate so I think we're going to see a totally different kind of week for Daniel Jones in this passing attack. And I think if anything, the Cardinals are going to say they do anything well on defense. They actually kind of surprised me and looked like a little bit better run defense. Now, maybe that's a lot of the commanders not being able to run the ball, but we'll see it as the season kind of moves along. But this is all to say that, yes, I still have confidence in the Giants passing attack. I'm going to have Waller as a top three tight end. I have Daniel Jones um, inside my top 15 quarterbacks for the week. And if you're looking for a flex play, and again, this is probably more desperation, but I think uh, one of Darius Slayton or Paris Campbell has a good game. And if i got to pick one, it's going to be Darius Slayton. So fire him up if you need an upside flex play. Pat, I'm not going to ask you to pick a Giants wide receiver because uh, I'm not cruel, but <laughs> I I wonder, obviously, Saquon, everybody's, you know, would start him. That's obvious. And same with Waller, given where he was drafted and, you know, the, the position, uh, it, landscape at tight end. So I just want to ask you, Fitz, on Daniel Jones. Is he somebody that you're starting this week, or is that more for just super flex leagues? 
No, I'd start him. I think I have him ranked inside quarterback one range this week. I mean, he runs, and he's going to be able to do business through the air this week, unlike last week against Dallas. We're going to go to game number 10 here, 49ers at Rams. And I put together this show sheet before the surprising news came out uh, on Thursday night that Pukunakua did not Yay. practice because of the oblique issue. Um, <laughs> but my question is, so let's assume that he plays and and we get a clean bill of health here. Is Pukunakua a must start for as long as Cooper Cup is sidelined? We could not have a show without talking about Pukunakua here. So, Debro, since he is your guy, I will let you start. Yep, I'm going to sit here and say as long as like we can assume health, I've got Puka Nakua ranked at wide receiver 26 this week. And people could say, that's a little bit aggressive. And my pushback is, you saw 15 targets, right? Did you, did you miss week one? You saw that he got a 39% target share. You saw also that he got a 42% first read target share. So tell me how ranking him as a wide receiver three is really aggressive. I'm not putting him as a wide receiver too, but if you have him on your team, you spent the fab. If he's healthy walking into this week, damn right I'm starting Puka Nakua. I think it is aggressive, but aggressive doesn't mean wrong. And so I think you can make a good case for why you should be aggressive, but I think that's a reasonable descriptor of a guy that went so late or not even drafted in most leagues already being borderline back end wide receiver two range. Uh, Fitz, what do you think? Is Nakua a must start as long as Cup is sidelined? Yeah, I think mostly. I mean, we have certain leagues where maybe he's not quite a must start, a a 10-team league where you only have to start two wide receivers and maybe he falls outside the must start zone. But I have him ranked wide receiver 32. That puts him ahead of guys like um, some of the guys we talked about earlier, Drake London, Michael Pittman, Nico Collins. I'm starting Puka over those guys. Like He's pretty essential to this offense now that they have no Cooper Cup. And look who they're going against, the 49ers. out of necessity, kind of a pass funnel defense. Like you, the Rams aren't going to be able to run on the 49ers. It's just not happening. So they're going to throw a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Puka get double digit targets again if he's healthy enough to play. Fitz, I got a question real fast. Like I sure. got these guys back to back. High total game. Everybody's low on him. Who are you starting? Puka Nakua or Christian Kirk? Oh, I. It's tough, man. That's why I want to bring I... it up because I think people are going to face that challenge. Yeah, I've got Kirk right now, wide receiver, 32 spots higher. And I don't like that Kirk isn't playing in two wide receiver sets. Yep. But I do think it's going to be a really souped-up game script for the Jaguars, and they're going to have to throw a lot to keep up with the Chiefs. Yeah, I could, I could see both sides of the coin. That's why I'm I'm asking the question, because, I, I, again, while I'm sitting here going through ranks, I'm struggling as well trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with these two guys for the week. I think I would probably go Puka there. Also, let's just all give ourselves a pat on the back for not saying Puka juice during that whole segment. That was really impressive (laughs) by you guys. Uh, So nicely done. Uh, Before we move off this game, let's talk about another player in the betting pros over under challenge. Brandon Ayuk absolutely went off in week one against the Steelers. Do we think it happens again or at least that he has another good game? His line is set at just 12 fantasy points. Debro? I'm going to take the under. I talked about this on my start, must sit show, so people need to check that out. But I think this is going to be a full bore Debo Samuel game. So give me the under for Ayuk. Pat, Brandon Ayuk, 12 fantasy points over or under? Over. Uh, The Rams cornerbacks are not good. Like, I think he's going to smash this. You know, Ayuk's another guy, actually, I want to quickly ask. 
similar to Calvin Ridley, rest of season, where are we ranking him at wide receiver? Ooh. I know it was only one game, but he looked really, really good, Fitz. He's really good. Yeah, like maybe low end wide receiver too, but I'm prepared to uh, slide him up. And mm. we got reports throughout 49ers training camp that he was the best player for the Niners in training camp no. on either side of the ball. Like he is legit, man. No, I, I I was told by consensus that there's no way that you could ever say that Brandon Ayuk is better than Debo Samuel, Pat. Like that he's not that good, even though he was top ten in open score last year. Like there's no way can't be that good. Um, just to throw this in here, I've got Brandon Ayuk as my wide receiver sixteen for rest of season ranks. I think that's a pretty reasonable range, honestly. Uh, let's go to our next game: Jets at Cowboys. A couple of elite defenses in this one. My key question, I think it's, again, going to be one that a lot of people are asking, but what is our trust level in Garrett Wilson for as long as Zach Wilson is his quarterback? Debro? None. Zero. Sorry. Zero Not out of ten. Zilch. Like, oh, God. Um, three, um, which could sound like an overreaction, unless you've actually watched Zach Wilson play football, and then you realize it's really not. It really is not. So... As long as Zach Wilson's starting, again, uh, I I saw this out on social media and I adamantly agree with it. So shout out. I think it was Jacob Gibbs that put this out there and I back it up adamantly. I would be starting Puka Nakua over Garrett Wilson. uh, Garrett Wilson's probably going to be low in wide receiver three territory for me this week. Like there's. We just saw what happened to the Giants. Do we think anything different is coming for the Jets when they face this Dallas defense? Good Lord. It's just crazy to think like of all the stuff, the time and effort and research we put into draft season and August and then already <sighs> week two, we're Go starting on. Puka Nakua over Garrett Wilson. Fitz, what say you? Yeah, I really sympathize with the Garrett Wilson investors. Like I didn't mm-hmm. have him just because I sort of had him at the the tail end of wide receiver one range in draft season. But a lot of people were willing to take him ahead of uh, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown. So yeah, those people got really hurt by the Aaron Rodgers injury, obviously, but do not abandon all hope. Garrett Wilson had 1,100 yards last year, catching passes from Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco. Um, obviously, the ceiling is lowered, 100-catch season, a double-digit touchdown season. Those dreams are off the table now, but I still think you're going to start Garrett Wilson most weeks. Maybe just not with the expectation you had beforehand, but I'm still going to be ranking him as like a low end, uh, maybe even mid range wide receiver too. most weeks, just not this week against Dallas. Not a great matchup, obviously. Let's hit one more player in the betting pros over under challenge. Garrett Wilson's over under is set at 11 fantasy points in week two. <laughs> I'm assuming you guys are both going under. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's wow. That's like the easiest slam under yeah. ever. Like that's under. assuming right now that he probably scores a touchdown in that line. I mean, he's going to have to. How There's you no can make that getting... assumption? I <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, you would you would need a, a Dallas cornerback to slip on a banana peel for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. I forget think. forget yes. he was going to play that that play. Yeah. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let, let me throw you another over under that I just made up. Uh, over under Jets <laughs> three and a half points in this game. Oh. I mean, I'd take, take the, the over, over just on their defense alone. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the over. Now, that's, now that's, that's the best ch- shot they have is scoring with their defense, not with, uh, you know, against this Cowboys defense. If you would have set the line at like 10 and a half worm, I think that that would be 
like give him a touchdown and a field goal just because of the running game and maybe the the defense gives him a short porch. I probably would take the under on ten points, but that's about where I think the line is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, three and a half is obviously hyperbolic, but the Cowboys did just give up zero it's not a that week far ago, off, and man. the Jets like, now have the worst quarterback in football. Like it's. Yeah, it's big yikes. Let's do the last uh, late afternoon game here. Commanders at Broncos. My key question is Jahan Dotson, Javante Williams, Cortland Sutton, Brian Robinson, and Terry McLaurin are all ranked in a glom between 50 and 62 overall in our half PPR expert consensus flex rankings. Again, that's Dotson, Javante, Cortland Sutton, Brian Robinson, and Terry McLaurin. They're all within a dozen spots of each other in our flex rankings. So how many of those guys would you actually be confident in starting this week, Fitz? None of them are real comfortable starts, but I would say the Mm -hmm. most uncomfortable starts from that group would be uh, Sutton and McLaurin for me. And with Sutton, it's... Jerry Judy coming back into the fold, which jeopardizes Sutton's target share in a passing offense that still isn't clicking just yet. And um, with McLaurin, he's still dealing with a turf toe injury, two catches for 31 yards in in week one. And now he's going to get a lot of face time with Patrick Sertan Jr., uh, which is never a good thing for a wide receiver. Yeah, he's he's really good. Debra, I'll read those names one more time. Dotson, Javante, Sutton, Brian Robinson and Terry McLaurin. I'm going to go with none of the above except for Jahan Dotson. Um, This is a really good commander's run defense. This is a really good pass defense for Denver. Yes, Sertan is going to be in Terry McLaurin's back pocket all day. So that all leads me to Dotson. I think he's going to get to Mario Mathis, and and Erickson hit the nail on the head on this on our start-sit show. Um, You're telling me that uh, Dotson's going to maybe get 70% of routes versus Mathis, who... Jacoby Myers cooked for 68 receiving yards and two scores last week that Dotson can't do the same thing. I'm going to be ranking Dotson aggressively on the side. I want to make sure I am above consensus on his ranking, but the rest of them consider me at or below consensus. I don't want to start any of those guys. Fitz, very quickly before we move on, Javante Williams, what did you make of the workload we saw out of him in his first game back from that knee injury? Interesting. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. Brees Hall and Javante Williams, um, you know, get uh, not like a ton of work, but like maybe more than we were expecting. And um, it, it helps when you are coming back from a major knee injury if you are young and athletic, as both of those guys are. So um, maybe we should have given them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt during draft season. Oh, to be young and athletic. What a time. Uh, let's, let's go to Sunday <laughs> that Night Football. That doesn't describe any one of us on this show. <laughs> no. 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 Uh, let's go to Sunday Night Football. Dolphins at Patriots. AFC East matchup here. My key question is, are we overreacting to his unbelievable week one by putting Tyreek Hill as wide receiver one this week? And note that we kind of put this together again before seeing Justin Jefferson on Thursday night football. But we, you guys both had Tyree kill as wide receiver one, even before seeing anything Justin Jefferson did last night. Is that an overreaction to his sensational week one D bro? Nope. I had Tyree kill as my wide receiver. One of the week. He is going to remain my wide receiver. One of the week does not matter. I think he's going to have a better game than Jefferson had. And I know that's saying a lot, but it's not saying a ton if you watch what Tyreek Hill did against man coverage in week one, and he is going to destroy the Patriots man coverage in week two. I talked about this out on Twitter, and I'm going to say it again here, is that Tyreek Hill is their man coverage option. The difference between his target share and Jalen Waddles versus man coverage is ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous. 
a massive cavern between those two players. So I think Tyreek Hill comes out, and I'm not going to tell you he's going to go for 200 freaking receiving yards, but is he going to go for 100 plus? Absolutely in this game. And so I'm not worried about Tyreek Hill. I'm going to keep ranking him aggressively, and he's going to keep destroying man coverage. I mean, you did just say he's going to have a better game than Jefferson, who had 11 catches for 159 yards in the Thursday game. Do you, bro? I mean, so Tyreek Hill goes for over that. I mean, I don't think that's a crazy bet to make. It's going to happen. Fitz, knowing what you know now about what Jefferson did last night, would you still keep Hill in wide receiver one like D-Bro would? Um, no, I think I'd probably cash in on Jefferson. Yeah. But um, like these guys are 1A and 1B this week, mm-hmm. Wh- whichever order you want to put them in. And I, I think the only thing that would slow Tyreek Hill down would be very inclement New England weather. Like that's it. Would you guys put Hill above Chase rest of season just based off this week one? Or because Chase was the consensus. It was J- Jefferson and Chase went one and two in almost every draft. Uh-huh. Fits. I've moved. I've moved Hill ahead of Chase yep. the rest of the season. Like I was yep. terrified by what I saw from the Bengals offense in Week One. Yep. I've got uh, Tyreek Hill at wide receiver two. I got Chase at wide receiver three for rest of season rankings. I mean, this is all. And I'm not trying to double down here, guys. But I did say like before the season started, my bold take, and maybe it doesn't look so bold now, is that Tyreek Hill breaks the single season receiving yardage record. He's on his way to doing that. I still firmly believe he's going to happen. He's certainly on pace. Uh, let's go to Monday Night Football. We actually have two Monday Night Football games here in Week 2. They usually do that in Week 1, but for some reason they did it in Week 2. Uh, we'll start with Saints at Panthers, NFC South matchup. And my key question here is Jamal Williams and Miles Sanders, as of yesterday, were both back-to-back in both of your guys' half PPR running back rankings for this week. So I want you guys to make the case for starting one guy over the other. And Deeper, I'll start with you. I'm going to go with Jamal Williams. I've got him at RB17. I could actually bump him a little bit higher. Um, And again, I know that week one was not a good showing. He got all the work. He played 75% of the snaps. But if you were reading anything that like of note, especially the primer and stuff, or listening to anybody on this show, like we were all said, like Jamal Williams is probably going to have a rough day. Tennessee's run defense is really good. And I'm not telling you that Carolina's is a total pushover, but in week one, they had the 14th lowest stuff rate. They allowed the fourth highest yards after contact per attempt, and they were also terrible versus gap runs. Second highest yards per carry, and that was 55% of Jamal Williams' run type in week one. So I think Williams is going to get 20-plus touches. I think he probably scores in this game. So give me Jamal Williams up for miles. Pat, they're also back-to-back in your rankings. Are you agreeing with Jamal Williams having the slight advantage here, or would you take Miles Sanders? I get about 30,000 start sit questions on Sundays that I answer and inevitably I, I will that, get bits. I think you're probably yeah. like that's probably lowballing that to be honest. Yeah. So it's inevitable that I am going to get at least one Miles Sanders versus Jamal Williams question and I will tell uh the questioner to flip a coin here. Like <laughs> I cannot make any sort of passionate case for one over the other. Like I think Sanders is the better player. I think Williams is going to have a safe and substantial workload with Alvin Kamara still suspended and Kendra Miller just coming back from a hamstring injury. So um, it, it's just a deadlock for me. I, I can't break it. Pat, what if that was a, a two face type of double sided Jamal Williams coin? What do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, as somebody who was very much all in on Jamal Williams, like I said earlier in the show in week one, I'm certainly hoping to see him 
have a uh, more efficient week two, or at least get in the end zone here. Uh, Let's go to game number 15, last on the slate. Browns at Steelers, another divisional matchup, AFC North here. And I want to ask you guys, after completely dismantling the Bengals in week one, is the Browns defense elite enough to scare you away from playing any Steelers this week? Fitz? The Browns' pass defense is legit, so I definitely don't want to get Kenny Pickett into my lineups this week, and I'm a little wary of George Pickens, too. Like, I don't know if the Deontay Johnson injury necessarily spikes Pickens' fantasy value. Um, You know, I I don't know that there's going to be a big target spillover to Pickens as a result of Deontay being hurt, but... I'm still very willing to play Najee Harris. Uh, I'm actually going to be starting Jalen Warren in the Scott Fishball this week since I kind of cut corners at my RB2 spot. Um, Browns gave up the the fifth most rushing yards to running backs and the sixth most, most fantasy points to running backs last season. And Najee had two pretty good games against the Browns. So um, I think you're fine starting Pittsburgh running backs. I just don't really want to start components of the passing game although I'd probably be willing to start Patty Fryermuth. Yeah, Debro, on the Thursday show, the Start Sit show, you had George Pickens as a sit this week, so we know you're kind of out on him. How about the rest of the Steelers' offense? Uh, I'm with Pat on Najee and Jalen Warren. I'm probably going to try to have both of those guys above consensus um, because the Browns' run defense, now, I'm really kind of curious, are they going to be that type of run defense all year? Because they remade this entire defensive line. They brought in Shelby Harris. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson and Zedarius Smith. So I think as that entire defensive line gels, I think they are going to morph into one of the top run defenses in the NFL. Does that happen in week two? I think it's totally like Pat was talking about, a coin flip. And if that's the case, I will use the data that we have from week one where we saw the Browns allow the third highest missed tackle and yards after contact per attempt. So I think that Najee and Jalen Warren have really good games. And you can count me out on every part of this passing attack for Pittsburgh. Like, Cleveland's corners are amazing. They run a lot of zone coverage. George Pickens is garbage versus zone coverage. So if Pittsburgh wants to have any chance in this game, it's going to be a heavy dose of the run game, and it's going to be their defense is going to have to step up. We have a minute here before we wrap up, so I want to ask you guys just on the other side of this quickly. Deshaun Watson, obviously another kind of hot-button player all offseason, We talked about, you know, elite players don't forget how to be elite, but he looked so bad last year. What did you make of his performance in this one? Because I know there was some weather involved. It was an odd game and just in terms of the Browns being up by so much and again, so thoroughly (sighs) dominating, you know, with their defense. But what did we make of Deshaun in this one, D-Bro? I I, I said it like Erickson was pounding the table for elite players don't forget how to be elite. And I was like, this guy looked terrible last year. I think that if we're going to, toss on the rust factor for anybody, it should be with Deshaun Watson. He looked god-awful last year, and he did not look good. And everybody, and, and that's the narrative that I keep hearing, Worm, is that, well, it was the weather. Okay, please tell me in the AFC North in Cleveland, as it gets colder as we move through into the winter, is that weather going to improve? Are people just going to keep using that narrative every single week? Well, Deshaun looked pretty rough, but you know what? It was the rain. It was the 10-mile-an-hour wind that threw him off. Next week, they play in the Dome. Going to be a lot better. Smooth sailing. I don't see it happening, man. And Deshaun Watson, last week, he had the se- he was 17th in passing grade. He had the 10th lowest yards per attempt. So we could talk about game script, and we could talk about all these different things and the weather being a factor. He played bad. 
And honestly, it didn't look that much different than what we saw last season. And we talked about training camp narratives earlier. Didn't we hear in training camp that basically when Deshaun was asked to sit here and throw from the pocket, he looked pedestrian at best? What have we seen both last year and this year to change that idea? Nothing. So no, you can count me out on Deshaun Watson. Pat, what do you think about Deshaun quickly? Mixed bag. Um, like the passing, not impressive at all. And I, I think he is at best like an average NFL passer, and that might even be a stretch. But I was somewhat encouraged by how aggressively he ran in that game, which I think is going to prop up his floor in fantasy. And uh, one quick aside, like this is sort of a tangent, but um, maybe some of our listeners will find this helpful when they're setting lineups. I was talking to a Cleveland uh, season ticket holder in the offseason, and they were telling me that you don't really appreciate on TV what a wind tunnel that stadium is. Mm. And um, it it just kind of makes me not want to start quarterbacks playing in Browns home games. Um, at, you know, after hearing this person talk about how fiercely the wind can blow in that game. So maybe the weather did factor into it. It was wet. Uh, wait, was that game? I forget. Was that game in Cleveland or Cincinnati last week? That game was in Cleveland. I believe it was Cleveland. It was, yeah. yeah, it was, like, yeah, it was, it was a home game. It was in Cleveland. Yeah. Because yep. yeah, so I remember maybe, thinking maybe to myself was... Amari Cooper narratives. That's the only reason I know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was a factor, but um, yeah, I mean, I just like Deshaun has not shown enough signs of life as a passer for us to think that's coming back to, you know, elites or above average status. Everybody, please go check out the DraftKings Sportsbook. Go buy your tickets on game time and go check out my playbook for all the awesome tools we have to offer. This is the time of year where you can really take advantage of all of our suite of tools. For Debro and Fitz, I am Ryan Wormley. We will see you guys again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.